This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. And Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to take a part of that Gospel reading as my text uh, this morning from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 15, in particular verses 9 through 14. And so if you have uh, a New Testament handy or your Bible handy, I want to invite you to turn there. John chapter 15 and beginning at verse 9. And this morning I want to talk about three things that love does. Three things that love does. I've, I've been thinking about that, this. I, I've been a Christian now for more than 40 years and I've never met a Christian who had ever said that he or she didn't want to be a loving person. In fact, by and large, I think that if you were to ask people, are you a, a loving person? Uh, some might be bold enough to say, yes, I'm a loving person. And then most of the rest of us would be likely to say, well, you know, I'm trying. But what does that look like? Uh, or as we might put it, what does love do? M. Scott Peck in his celebrated book, The Road Less Traveled, he wrote this about that. He said, everyone in our culture desires to some extent to be loving. And yet many are not loving. I therefore conclude that the desire to love is not the same as love itself. Indeed, love is as love does. And so what does love do? Well, in our text this morning, Jesus mentions three things that love does. And the first is that love obeys. Love obeys. Indeed, notice the text again. Verses 9 and 10 and then verse 14. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, if you obey me, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. It's quite an extraordinary thing, what Jesus says here. 
uh, he says that um, that uh, he's loved by the Father, and I suppose that doesn't come as a great surprise. And we would just assume that that was so. That the God the Father loves God the Son. We remember at Jesus's baptism, and then at the Transfiguration event, at the, the, the in particular at the at the baptism where the the heavens opened and the dove, the Spirit of God descended like a dove onto Jesus, and then the voice came from heaven that said, this is my beloved son, the son I love, and whom I'm well pleased. But it's that second phrase here in our text that really stands out. Indeed, Jesus, and he's speaking to his disciples, to those who had completely committed their lives to following him. Jesus says that he loves us, his disciples, even as the father loves him. That father who said, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus says, and I've received his love and I love you in the same way, which is an extraordinary thing to say if you stop and think about it, especially if we might be in the habit of thinking that God isn't on our side. Jesus says, I love you the way that the father loves me. And he does. And then Jesus says, and abide in my love, abide in this love, abide in this relationship of love and in saying in saying abide in it he's saying don't leave it and then jesus joins these two words and i don't know if we would naturally think of them as going together but he puts them together and those are the the words love and obedience which is perhaps not a so subtle way of saying that love and obedience go hand in hand and that with God, love and obedience uh, are in fact inseparable. Or if you like, you can't have one, at least in God's mind, you can't have one without the other. And it's Jesus himself who models what he's talking about. Indeed, Jesus himself loved through obedience. He loved by being obedient. He said that the Father loved him and that he maintained this love relationship with the father he says by keeping the father's commands in fact in that last verse if you have your bible that last verse in chapter 14 before coming into chapter 15 jesus says this he says i do as the father commands i keep his commandments and then he says so that the world may know that i love the father and so keeping the commands of God is an expression of love. And Jesus is the one himself who models this. And so Jesus himself loved through obedience. And our calling as disciples of Jesus is to do the same. And indeed, that's the essence of discipleship. The disciple follows uh, the master. The, the, the student follows the rabbi and, and becomes like the rabbi. And, and, and so that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to love by obedience. Indeed, notice again our text, beginning at verse 9. And as the Father loved me, so Jesus says, I've loved you. Abide in my love. Stay in my love. And if you keep my commandments, Jesus says, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. In verse 14, and you are my friends. Notice that, friends, the sense of mutuality. I appreciate you and you appreciate me. Or as somebody says, uh, uh, you know, we usually talk about, I think it was Rob Bell, actually. We talk about how we believe in, in Jesus. And yet he's the one who chooses us. <laughs> he believes in us. 
He says, I and you are my friends if you keep my commandments. Or as he put it in chapter 14, in verse 15 here of John, he said, and if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do you know that you're loving him? Because you're obeying. It's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Fair enough, Lord. <laughs> I'm happy to do it because you saved me by grace and you give me the gift of salvation. I accept it by faith. There's no way I can earn it. I'll spend the whole rest of my life, Lord, serving you out of a sense of gratitude. What is it that you want me to do? I love you, Lord. And so Jesus says, and if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And loving Jesus apart from obedience, <laughs> loving, I put that in quotes, as some might imagine is one way to live the Christian life. I love Jesus, I listen to Jesus, but I don't do what he says. It seems not to be a live option with God. In fact, uh, as we're reading the Gospel of John here, John in his first letter, 1 John chapter 2 and beginning at verse 4, wrote this relative to an, an attitude, an idea like that. 1 John chapter 2 and beginning at ver verse 6, he says, whoever says, I know the Lord, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, <laughs> and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. The love of God, God's love, not our love, God's love is perfected in us when we obey. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Jesus said, abide in me, abide in my love. But by this we know that we're in him, living in communion and spiritual fellowship with him. That, who, that whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way. There's discipleship again. Walk in the same way that he walked. Or in that same letter, 1 John and chapter 5, beginning at verse 2, uh, John writes, And by this we know we love the children of God. We this is how we know we're really loving other believers. When we love God and obey his commands. In that order, when I'm, when I'm truly loving God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then your neighbor as, your, as yourself. I know that I'm really loving my neighbors myself when I'm really committed uh, to obeying and loving him, God, with all of my heart. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I mean, people talk about, oh, this is hard, this is hard. It's, ext it's extraordinary. I, I think that the point there is, is, is that it's hard to do in our own flesh. And maybe that's just the problem. We're trying to love and forgive and serve and pour ourselves out and follow the model of Christ in our own power, sort of trying to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, which if you've ever tried to do. But I remember I heard somebody saying that in a lecture one time, and I actually went home and tried to pick myself up by my bootstraps. It's impossible to do. Uh, and it's impossible, by the way, uh, to, to live in a way that's pleasing to God, to produce the, the fruit of spirituality that only is produced through the Spirit. It's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit uh, that we're talking about here, agape love, God's kind of love. Uh, we, we, we have to rely on him. We, we devote ourselves to him. We, we submit ourselves to him. And we...
meaning to what the Apostle Paul said uh, when he said, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. And so that's the first thing. The first thing is in, in answer in, to the question, what does love do? The first thing is that, is that love obeys. And then the second thing Jesus says is that love sacrifices. Love obeys and love sacrifices. Notice again, uh, verses 12 through 14. Jesus says, and this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And how has he loved us? Well, he gives us this hint here. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life. That's a voluntary self-sacrifice, that he lays down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. And so Jesus not only loved through obedience, he loves through self-sacrifice. He voluntarily lays down his life for his friends. Indeed, he voluntarily laid down his life for us, as we all know. And our calling, if we're true disciples of Jesus Christ, is to do the same. In fact, that's what he says, that we should love one another in that same way in which he loves us. That is, uh, that we're meant to love through sacrifice, uh, to love others as he loves, that being through sacrifice. It's usually on Monday, Thursday that uh, we pay special attention to this text uh, from John uh, chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus is talking about this again. In fact, in all of the, these, this, what is sometimes referred to as the upper room discourse, John's chapters three, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, these themes appear over and over again. But in chapter 13 and, and beginning at verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment or a uh, the, the mandatum novum, you know, in the Latin, from which we get uh, the, 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 the name Monday Thursday. A new commandment, Jesus, that I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because you do what I do, and you act like I act. And all, and by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Or again, in John's epistle, John's letter, John's first letter, John, first John, uh, chapters uh, three and verse sixteen, he said, and 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 we, and th by this he says, by this we know love. By this we know love or understand love that he Jesus laid down his life for us. And then he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How interesting indeed. John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ, wrote this about this, these sentiments that we're reading here in John's letter. He said, John Stott said, he said, as the essence of hate, the essence of hate is murder. And, and an example of that being Cain, you remember, in Genesis, in the early, what, the fourth chapter of, of Genesis, um, uh, that, that Cain killed his brother Abel because he hated him. Just, just as the essence of hate is murder, as with Cain and Abel, so the essence of love is self-sacrifice, as with Christ. 
Murder is the taking of another person's life. Self-sacrificing is the laying down of one's own life for the good of another. Of course, there's such a concept of total commitment to the benefit and blessing of others is a challenge, uh, one might think, given the mindset that many bring uh, to the church today. In fact, uh, Fleming Rutledge in her book, The Crucifixion, wrote this about the American church. She said, popular religion in America tends to be typically American, highly individualistic, self-centered, and self-indulgent. Popular religion in America tends to be typically, typically American, highly individualistic, self-centered, and self-indulgent. And still, notwithstanding the pervasiveness of American culture within the culture of the American church, what Jesus has to say here is really the only thing that matters. And Jesus says that love, real love, God's love alive in us, sacrifices. And so love obeys and love sacrifices. And then finally, love rejoices. Notice uh, in our text and verse 11, and Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy, my joy may be in, in you. It's interesting in the 14th chapter, he says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. My peace I give unto you. And now here he's talking about us experiencing his joy. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so Jesus is full of joy. And why is he full of joy? Well, he's full of joy because he loves in an obedient and self-sacrificing way. When you read to Philippians chapter 2 and that great hymn that we have, in, as a, we just think of it as a Bible text, uh, but he, 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 and Jesus emptied himself and made himself, the, and took on the form of a, a man and, and, and served and it was obedient even unto the point of death. And so God highly exalted him. Uh, but he's full of joy because uh, he he served and 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 lived and loved in this sacrificial way. Indeed, someone has written this: When God came to us in human flesh, He did so in the person of the Son, who lived and served and died, giving Himself away to others. And so, when Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive, He wasn't just talking about the the blessing that we'll know if our lives are marked by generosity and self-sacrifice. Jesus was describing his own personal experience that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He was blessed because he was the giver. And when we join him in that experience, when we become imitators of Jesus and not merely the recipients of his gifts, we too come to know the blessedness of self-sacrifice and the incarnation of God lives on through us. And so Jesus is full of joy because he loves. And then just as we just noticed, and we too are full of joy when we love in the way that he loves. 
I've always appreciated and loved Eugene Peterson's definition of joy. In his introduction to the letter of Paul to the Philippians in the message, his paraphrase, he described joy as life in excess. <laughs> that joy is life overflowing. Or as, as we're here, here we are in the, in the Gospel of John, that, that statement reminds us of what Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10. I came that they might have life and that more abundantly or life overflowing. He's, he's describing joy, if you like. Or David Taylor in his great book, which if you haven't bought a copy, you need to buy a copy. Uh, Open and Unafraid, David's book. Open and Unafraid, the Psalms as a Guide to Life. He said to be full of God is to be full of joy and yet perhaps some of you are thinking you know but how can all of this be how can you talk about uh, obedience and and self-sacrifice and then joy in the same breath it it all seems a rather costly proposition and indeed it is it it is a costly proposition it is about self-sacrifice and surrender um, but but the cost isn't a huge, uh, great matter to those uh, who are living the life. Indeed, someone has written this, that the, the cost of discipleship only seems a, a great matter until you decide you're ready to pay the cost and become a follower of Jesus Christ. And after that, the cost fades into the background and faithfulness to Christ is the only thing that matters. And so I wonder, what's it going to be with you this morning? Now, some Christians, so-called, spend the, the whole of their life, if you like, if I might use a metaphor, splashing around in the wading pool, uh, afraid to, to make a, a greater commitment. Oftentimes, uh, they, they, they know others, other Christians who are committed, better swimmers uh, than they are, strong swimmers, if you like people that they have come to admire and yet they're not strong swimmers themselves because the wading pool is uh, too comfortable and too non-threatening and what they'd have to do in order to become real swimmers themselves you know take off take off their swimmies and and put their face in the water it all seems uh, too much to ask and so they stay where they are week after week month after month year after year splashing about and the spiritual waiting pool. Someone has written that if you want something you've never had, you have to be willing to do something you've never done. You have to take a risk. If you want something you've never had, if what we're describing here is not quite something you've ever had, you're gonna have to do something that you've never done. And so how about it? Are you ready to, to make a total all out commitment to Jesus Christ, to, to love through obedience, to love through self-sacrifice and, and embrace the divine joy. And if you're not ready now, when will you ever be ready? You know, the Lord is saying to, to me in my heart this morning is that today is the day. Indeed, today is your day. Three things that love does. Let us pray. Lord, if we don't commit to, to if we don't commit today, when will we commit? What are we waiting for? What have we been waiting for? 
what have we been waiting for? To live this kind of life, to live this kind of exciting Christian life, which, which is not exciting if we're only half in, if we're only half committed, indeed, in anything else in our life, if we're only half committed, it generally speaking, is not very satisfying because we haven't given ourselves to it. Uh, as we tell our kids, you know, in school or whatever it is that they're doing, we always say, now do your best, do your best, and no one can do any better than their best. But when it comes to following you, oftentimes we're ready to be the recipients of the things that you offer us and gra grace and and um, uh, and uh, a little help now and then and uh, maybe health when we're feeling sick. Uh, 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 but 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 we but we've got one foot and one out, one foot in and one foot out. We're straddling the fence, but when we when we jump in at the deep end, that's when it all begins. When we completely give ourselves over to it, Lord, you know that's when it begins. That's why we're encouraged over and over and and challenged over and over to give our whole selves, to give ourselves away first to God, and then to our neighbor as ourselves. And so I would pray, Lord, that you would be working this out in me. And that every impediment that might keep me from doing so would be removed. And anyone who's listening uh, at this morning and worshiping with us remotely, uh, that, uh, that each one would be completely committed, even right now, to say to you, I commit myself to you wholeheartedly, Lord, with all of my mind, with all of my strength, and with all of my heart. Right now, Lord, I give myself to you for, for, for me to be yours for you to truly be Lord, and for me to follow in your way, in your footsteps, to be an imitator of you, Lord Jesus, and not just a, a, a somebody watching from a distance, being maybe spiritually entertained in one way or another, but to be a part of the team and get out on the field and play the game with you as my coach. I pray, Lord, that that would be our prayer this morning, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.